very controversial looking car um but there's no doubt in my mind and i'm sure you guys are seeing exactly the same pattern that people are coming around to like it um and i totally respect people that don't like it like i'm not saying that people have to like it but what i do say a lot in my videos is that you've got to hold your judgment until you actually see one in the flesh because i think they start to make a lot more sense when you see them in 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 person all right, hello everybody and welcome to the BMW Blog Podcast. It's episode 47 and today we have a very special guest. We have Joe Achilles is here. Uh, he's going to talk to us about some really interesting stuff and uh, I'm going to see if I can kind of maybe coax him into talking about his upcoming M3 and kind of just prod at him and see if we can get him to give out any information. But uh, hi Joe, how are you? Yeah, good thanks guys. Um, thanks a lot for having me on again. Uh, yes. A real honor getting invited on so uh, yeah looking forward to talking about probably all things bmw today i'm guessing <laughs> yeah a little yeah, bit yeah <laughs> trying to stick to that today yeah we have a, yeah. Few, uh, we have a few interesting topics because bmw's got a lot of big news the past couple of weeks it's been like really bmw heavy in the uh automotive news world yeah, I haven't, I haven't noticed. I haven't noticed actually. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, no, I haven't seen any M3 or M4 videos online no, at all. No, like nothing. No, no, no. Did you attend the uh, the UK launch, the the press launch? Yeah, I did. Um, it was it was pretty hard as it is, I'm sure, for a lot of the world. Uh, they had a really cool launch planned um, around a track day, and it was going to be really, you know, it was going to be great for those cars. But um, they had to cancel it last minute because of the continuous sort of restrictions we got here with COVID. Uh, so it was a very basic sort of turn up to BMW HQ. Here's the keys for a couple of hours and go off. But but it was it was good enough, you know. It was uh, yeah, it was enough. So, so there wasn't any track component. It was just road driving. <clears throat> just, just road driving for for us. Yeah, I think a couple of the sort of big rigs like Top Gear and stuff um, got Sorry. cars for a few days, so they could go and hire their own track and stuff. But, um, but it was just just road. Um, but I actually recently, a couple of days ago, managed to take an M4 out onto a little handling circuit just to just to have a little skid around. So yeah, it was it was good. Nice. That's cool, man. I'm a little jealous. We didn't really get much here. To do Horatio was able to go out to Palm Beach in Florida and drive one for a little bit, but uh, they really yeah, it was the same thing there. I was supposed small. to go on on track too, and yeah, uh, it got canceled the last minute. The you know the the track thing, and I ended up just driving like around you know uh, Palm Beach. The problem that uh, I'm not sure if you better if you ever been to Florida, it's kind of flat. Yep, there really no no hills, no yeah. no back roads. It might be the least exciting place to drive any car in yeah. the world. I mean, it's cool <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a convertible and you go by the ocean, you know, oh, ocean yeah, drive and all that. It's beautiful. It's but uh, if you want to drive a sports car, I mean, I'm sure there are places I just wasn't familiar with. So I only drove a little bit, you know. Uh, I mean, for a few hours around the around the area, but I have a chance to really push it hard. So we're doing the same thing. We're trying to um, we're trying to get another drive in and um, maybe some track time. Uh, one of our other guys went to Munich, actually. So there was a Munich event, but he was local. So uh, that was the nice part. So he had a chance to do that uh, Myzak, you know, driving academy course a little bit. So um, that's uh, that's that. But I yeah. guess we're curious to kind of know what do you think about the new M3 and M4 based on, on, yeah. on what you drove? Um, yeah, so where do I start? Well, I mean, I've, I've, as well, Nico and I had a chat on the last podcast about the styling. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I guess we'll start quickly just talking about that. Um, cause it's probably going to come up. Uh, I guess, you know, it's a very controversial looking car. 
Um, but there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure you guys are seeing exactly the same pattern, that people are coming around to like it. Um, and I totally respect people that don't like it. Like, I'm not saying that people have to like it. But what I do say a lot in my videos is that you've got to hold your judgment until you actually see one in the flesh, because I think they start to make a lot more sense when you see them in, in, in person. Uh, sure. So in terms of styling, I think they look they look awesome. Like I'm really, I had an M4 for five days. I gave it back yesterday and, um, and I really loved it by the end, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think the early, uh, BMW Germany press shots just didn't do the car any favors. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and yeah, yeah I don't know no, if you, I agree uh, with you actually, cause I yeah. saw it in person uh, a few months ago, back in November, I did an event with BMW and they, they had them there. We couldn't drive them, but they had them there yeah and the first thing you notice is there's so much more like 3d geometry to the grill that you don't see in, in photos so it does look better in person i still don't i still don't love it like i'm still not a big fan of it but it does absolutely <laughs> look better in person and people should actually see it in person before they make final judgment for sure yeah i think in yeah. my case I'm a, I'm a little bit different i'm not i'm not too keen on design or i don't get stuck on design i honestly don't care usually and this is why I've been driving an i3 for the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, basically. I mean, it's not the prettiest car, but to me, it was the right car. It's uh, utilitary, you know, it's, it's you know, nice to drive. So that's all. There's like a new design. I don't really have a, you know, a, a hard take on it. So with the new M3 and M4, I kind of knew what to expect anyway, because I've been talking to them for the last few years, and they were trying to prep us kind of for the big change, <laughs> what's going to happen, yeah. what's the story behind it. And I only saw the car, you know, in you know, in real life, you know, a few weeks ago. And I maintain what I said in, in some of our articles. Basically, I love the car in darker colors. So if you see like a black or, you know, Tanzanite blue, I think it looks fantastic. It hides a nice grill. Uh, but I mean, some, some of those ball colors, it stands out a little bit more. What I am happy and uh, is the fact that they went with the uh, black surrounds on the Kinney grill. And apparently yeah. that was a request that came from the U.S. market. So early on, there was an input from the dealers here that you know they should go with that it's the right choice so i think if the guy with chrome would have been even you know uh, more sticking out but yeah. it i also had the f82 and the uh, m4 uh, side by side and i did like a quick video and if you look at that i mean clearly the the f82 looks like the, you know the safer car the more balanced the typical bmw but for some reason it just looks dated so if you look right away you can tell yeah. it's, it's a little older car uh, where the new M3 and 4, they just stand out. I mean, they're bold and all of that. So I don't know if people need to come around to like it or not, but I think in the end, I think it's going to come down to the driving experience. And I think some of the people will, once they get behind the wheel, they will probably try to forget about that, you know, uh, grill in the front. Yeah, of course. T now, totally. Actually, do you yeah. like the M3 or the M4 better styling-wise? Because you've spent time with both, and, it, that, you know, not everyone has, so... I have. Um, I mean, I've always preferred the M3. I mean, in the last gen, I preferred the M3 to the M4. Yeah. And then before that, I preferred the um, E90 to the E92 M3. Um, I just love the four doors and I love that they just, the rear arches on, on the, let's call it the M3 now, uh, it's just a bit more pronounced. It looks a bit more muscular, you know, like right. a, mm -hmm. a, a, and I just love, I love things like RS6. I love cars that are like to a lot of people, they might look at it and think, oh, it's just a family car, but it, you know, with nice wheels and it's not shouting too much. And the M4 doesn't shout, but I just think, I think the M4 is very elegant looking, especially the last generation. 
um, what the new M4 I think has introduced is it's 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 bridged that gap between a let's say an M440i and the M4. The M4 now looks a lot more muscular than an M440i or a regular 4 series. Whereas I think in the last generation you could get a nice M Sport spec 4 series a lot next to an M4 F82, and they actually didn't look too different. Um, I, I, yeah, I, so I think the, the gap's grown. But for me, it's always M. It's M3, and yeah, that's that's why I've got one coming because uh, yeah, I just I just love them. Well, that which, uh, which spec did you order? Oh, oh yeah, I was just gonna say I was just gonna yeah, leave it there. Um, well, I, uh, <laughs> I haven't announced it yet, so I haven't oh, yeah. announced it. No, but um, well, I can. So in terms of, I mean, it's probably we probably get completely different options and stuff. But over over here, I've gone for the carbon pack, which is the carbon exterior stuff. You know, the intakes and stuff around the front, all the bits of carbon. Uh, we only get the competition over here in the UK as right. well. So so it's an M3 competition with the carbon packs, the carbon exterior, carbon seats on the interior, uh, the carbon inlays on the interior standard here in the UK. Um, and then I've gone for the visibility packs, so the, um, yeah, the laser lights. Uh, and then what else? Not really many other options because it comes with head-up display. It comes with pretty much everything. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, normal brakes, uh, like the carbon ceramics are £8,000 over here. So it's like, no, no, don't need yeah. them. Um, but yeah, and then the black, all black, are they the 826 wheels? Um, but I can't, I can tell you the interior because I slipped up in a video the other day and I've already <laughs> told people. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I'm going for the Kailami Orange, um, uh, uh, Kailami Orange interior. Um, and yeah, the exterior. I'm sorry, you have to wait, but it's. Right. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I'm to think in my head, what would I pair the orange with? Yeah. You know, actually, actually. What? orange works with a few different colors. Actually, it's it's pretty good interior color. I actually like it quite a bit. Beautiful. And you got the orange with the carbon buckets, right? Orange with the carbon said? buckets. Right, yeah. The, yeah. There's actually there's actually a car that's on your Instagram uh, that it might be that you posted <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. I saw it and I was like, oh, there it is. That's the first time I've seen one in the flesh. You know, right, like BMW oh. blog, Instagram sleuths go digging to find out which. Uh, yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's, um, congratulations, by the way, because that's an awesome car yeah. to get. And um, I'm a little jealous of those seats because they are, uh, I've sat in them, they're awesome. The carbon buckets are great. They're like fantastic yeah. seats. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, did you have the same experience with, with them? So I do like them, uh, but I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm like, you know, 6'3", so what, 1.9, you know, meters tall and about, I don't know, like 95 kilos, a little bit more maybe. So, um, they're they're nice, but I felt like I, I had a hard time getting in and out because of the side, uh, the side on the carbon fiber. So that was a little bit tricky. I mean, it wasn't too bad, but I always had to be, you know, thinking about that, not to you know to hit that or to hurt myself basically. But other than that, I do, I do like them. I mean, they're definitely cooler than the standard seats, and I would still get them despite yeah. that little annoyance. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because um, this M4 that I had, I did about 600 miles in the five days I had it. So I, I, I really wow. used it a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and that's one thing I noticed, as you say, the seats are fantastic when I'm the same. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm 193 and uh, I'm about 100 kilos. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's a tiny bit. But um, 
so I fit in them very well. And I tell you what I love, which you're going to probably agree with, is how low they go. Like this, the yeah. seating position. Yeah. It's the first car I'm going to get in and be able to put a helmet on and actually not be like that, you know, yeah. when I'm driving. Um, but the getting in and out is 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 something that after a couple of days, I was like, oh, this is a little bit difficult. And also, if you look at the so the press car I had, it had 3,000 miles on it. And, and the actual leather um, where you'd scuff each time was already getting worn and the, the oh, stitching wow. was already looking a bit sketchy. Uh, and it was Silverstone, so that was already blue from my jeans, which which is not the seat's fault. That's just how, how it happens. But, um, but something else to note about the seats that I think is even going to be more of a talking point is when you're in the driver's seat, in a, in a let's say in the automatic version which we only get in here in the uk it's fine you have your legs kind of apart and you've got your right foot doing accelerate and brake your left foot on the footrest but when you sit in the passenger seat you don't you don't tend to even us without sounding sexist even us blokes that tend to sit on sofas with our legs open and whatever when you're in the passenger seat of a car you know you, you kind of fidget around a bit because you're not driving the car but in those seats as i found out with my other half sitting next to me she she you can't move your leg your legs are fixed in that position you know and you've got this funny carbon thing that sort of sticks yeah, between your legs yeah, i call it a cod piece holder but you can <laughs> yeah but it's like and and she was instantly just thinking oh but on a long journey she likes to put like both her legs to one side together and but you can't do that so so right. i think if you're if you're buying it as more of a daily car family car whatever um it's as, as nice as the seats are i think they are they're only good at certain things and but i guess right. that's just a compromise isn't it it's like everything with a car you know um, so, so are you regretting getting the seats now the car no 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 okay uh, i don't care about my other half oh, i might have said that a bit loud no um no no i'm not at all because i think they just they just add a lot to the car you know the, the visuals and also track work and taking it abroad you know i'm right. sure and and like I said, I just love they fit me like a glove. So it's the first time that's happened, and yeah, I right, can't yeah. can't wait. Yeah, yeah I mean, ask I, you this because I, I um I was going to ask you, and then you mentioned it. I've been getting a lot of questions on on Instagram, especially you know uh, via private messages about the lack of a manual in the UK, and that I should you know talk to the UK guys and you know tell them that people really want him. I don't think we have that power, but um. It, did they did they tell you why they're not bringing the manual to the UK aside from the tech rate and all of that? Probably it's a little bit lower the tech rate than in the US. I think well, that's so. When I first saw the cars, which would have been, it would have probably been around April May last year. I got a very sneak peek of some of them when I was down at BMW HQ, um, and the product manager of the three and four series saw me in in uh, in the press sort of area said joe i've got to show you something put your camera and put your phone down you're not bringing that with you and we went in there and uh and he pulled the covers off the two cars the sao paulo m4 and the and the green isle of man green m3 and i was just like blown away and then we started talking about the um the gearbox options that was one of my first questions obviously and he said to me unfortunately i'm sure it's a cost related thing obviously at the at the end of the day but it, but but the the uptake, I think, for the past for the last two years of M3 and M4 in the UK of the um, of the F series, the uptake was three or four percent for manuals, um, and 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 that's really why what they based the decision on. They're they're, they're just like, what's what's the point? They're not going to sell any. It's more powerful. It's even faster. Um, and therefore, they're not going to sell any. So I was disappointed to hear that. But I just but. I really just hope that the incoming M M2 
it is going to have a manual option because I think that would be a big mistake if they don't give us that in a manual because, you know, it, then for the enthusiasts, if they want a modern M car with a manual stick, it's still available. Um, that's kind of why I kept my one just, just to be sure. And cause I just need that manual. It's just such a different driving, you know, it's just, it's a completely different, um, feeling, I guess, isn't it? Do you find yeah. it odd that the Americans drive more manuals than yeah, it's a, I'm actually surprised. I'm always surprised to hear that. Too, because, I, like, I, feel like I, I don't know anyone else besides myself that drives a manual. Like, I just don't, I don't see anyone in America. Yeah, if, if I look within my immediate circle, I don't see anyone driving manuals. Yeah. But it's no. it's always fascinating to know that a lot of the sports cars in the U.S., you know, they're being purchased with a, a manual. With a manual. Yeah, I mean, it must be a new thing because I know when I was, okay, I'm 41 now, but when I was a teenager growing up and it was just America, all I knew was America had big, solid, automatic cars and that was it. Everything was auto. No, like, what? What's this stick shift? They don't even know how to use it. They, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, and, and, and I'm sure that continued for ages. It was always like, no one can drive a stick shift. And, and and it's all automatic. But then the past 10 years, well, I think it was the, what was the first BMW that blew my mind? It was the E60 um, M5, you know? Yeah. And it's like, America got that in a manual option? Wow, like that, that's the most ridiculous car ever. And you got the F10 in manual for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's just, that's just awesome. I mean, I don't know if that's just because it's maybe easier in the sense that, you know, it's a, you're a left-hand drive market, but, so it's easier for them to, if Germany or somewhere in Europe are getting it, then it's easier to produce cars for you guys. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's fascinating. I've got to come over one day and find some of those yeah. manual cars because <laughs> I just can't imagine an E60 in a manual. That must be such a yeah. surreal experience. I think BMW really has bad. one in their classic fleet here. I remember driving um, F10 and also an E60 a while back. They have this classic fleet that they keep here with some of the unique cars. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's part of that, if I remember yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, South Carolina, right? At, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, nice. No, I totally nice. hear it. Like on the manual, I also drive a one M, so I have a one M, but I, I mean, barely driving. So just, <laughs> just just put it that way. I, I keep it in a garage. I would say probably six months of the year, which I shouldn't. But yeah, I always got some terrible weather, so I try to uh, to avoid that. But I mean, I do enjoy. But uh, I also live in Chicago, where again, like Florida, it's kind of flat. Yeah, I have a lot of good driving roads and it's mostly or it used to be a lot of you know stop and go traffic and it was annoying i mean that car it's always pretty rough to drive because the suspension all of that yeah and i think if i were to buy like an m2cs right now let's say i'm not going to buy one but if i were to buy one i would definitely go with uh with an automatic yeah yeah well, actually they don't have a dct what's what's in the m2cs is it dct yeah dct yeah yeah I yeah. keep getting confused because I, I think that's the M2CS manual reference. is like delicious. It's so good. Yeah, I have so a deal with the M2CS. I I, I think oh, Nico got a chance to drive most of the newer cars, but I haven't had a chance to do the M2CS. So I want to drive that yeah. soon. I spent a week with that. That was really special. You did too, right, Joe? You tested that for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a couple of I had a yeah DCT one right when they first came out, and then a manual one towards the back end of last year. Which and one did like, you have? Oh, the manual was just, I mean, I actually, it was funny because the DCT I, I liked, I enjoyed, but it didn't feel that much, strangely, it didn't feel that much more special than a competition. Um, and then, but the manual car, for some reason, everything seemed to just gel together really well. And I, and I just, yeah, I didn't want to give that, I really did not want to give that car back. Um, 
yeah it was great i mean they're they're just yeah really really cool cars but but super expensive over i think because over here you can pick up like a 2019 m2 competition for about 35 grand and 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 obviously then they were on the market for 85 and it's like right. no it's not two and a half times the car it's just you know you, right. but then it's you know to add add up all the parts and it's it's gonna you know it's worth the sum of its parts it's just a lot a lot of money yeah, i always said actually my thing was after i drove it i said it's it's fin it's the best m car they make uh obviously i haven't driven the new m3 or m4 yet but i was like it's the best car they make but if you want like if you couldn't get one or you couldn't afford one an m2 comp with like i don't know a three thousand dollar coilover set and yep. maybe you know better you know stickier tires you know cup two yep. tires or whatever and you're you're 80 percent there you're 90 percent there you know, exactly because the m2 competition is so good as it is that I, you know yeah and you yeah. know you have you have one with a manual so you know how good yeah. it is yeah we have so a now, question for you oh, okay. i'm actually gonna throw i'm gonna throw you a um, a curveball uh joe <laughs> so when it comes to youtube and youtubers i mean we're not there yet we're doing more on the on the media side probably like publishing but we're doing a little bit of video too when you buy a new car do you buy because you like it or you just buying because you know it's a hot product and you want to attract more viewers and all of that and that's not a you know knock on you basically for doing that or anybody that does that i just yeah. never understood what's the what's the rationality behind it so i mean i guess there's there's so many different types of youtubers out there uh there are the youtubers that are chasing new products just to keep the channel interesting i guess um and i think what i like to do on my channel is I, i'm not a journalist but i like to but i share my i try to do journalistic things and and you know um scientific things with cars if you like and actually try and share my experiences with people in terms of the cars that i buy um i mean really so my m2 comp now i've had for two and a half years or something um before that i had my m140 for a year um so so i'm not really i'm not really that person that is chasing new cars for views the m3 i was very excited about and to be fair because of the combination of youtube going well um you know it's it's starting to make me some some decent money now and pay the bills and make me afford to buy an m3 so there's i guess there is that influence there um in but the spec that I've gone for on the M3 is probably as an influence of the channel and like social media pictures and things like that. It needs to pop. Whereas I think if I was just if I was just specking a car for myself and I wasn't online, it would be a far more um, it would be a far more subtle uh, subtle spec that I've gone for. So so yeah, for me it's not about cars. Like someone like Tim Shmi 150, who I know very well. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer for him because he's just he he makes so much money from 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 his youtube and everything that he's got to keep feeding it into the channel and so he's buying a new car every month basically even if he's in america which he is at the moment he's still buying cars and it's just like but he it makes sense for him for tax for for his channel for you know and everything he buys tends to um tends to sit low he will never buy something that's going to depreciate overnight massively so he buys things smartly and and he's buying it as content for the channel but i've not got to that stage yet where i can you know go and splash out and i see some youtubers doing it at my sort of level and i think well you just can't be making much money you're pouring it all into making your channel exciting but there must be a point where you're like you can't you just can't keep doing that um and also i think the following that i have 
or the following of someone like me that keeps cars for longer it's a much loyal much more loyal following because if i bought an m2 comp last week and then i sell it next week and i buy an m3 people are just going to be like you know who's this guy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna listen to what he says and i'm not gonna buy anything that he's got for his car because it's just you know it's not not right yeah right. yeah so i mean it's um i was going to follow up on on what you said uh basically you always have to find a way to differentiate yourself between all the, between you and all the other YouTubers. And, and how do you do that? Because I mean, right now, I, clearly YouTube, it's blowing up more than ever and everyone is doing kind of the same thing. Like you said, with the M3 and M4 reviews, there were so many out there. So yeah. I was wonder, you know, I mean, it's, it might not be oversaturated now, but it's gotta be at some point and how you're gonna stay ahead of the game, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't think there is an answer for that. And I don't think even the big, big YouTubers know sort of how to how to keep that going. I mean, Carwell, for instance, they've got, they've got a brilliant thing going there. You know, Matt Watson's amazing. Their, their drag races are brilliant fun. Um, and their reviews, I mean, mostly down to Matt and the team around him, they just make you know what you're going to get and it's always going to be entertaining even yeah. if he's reviewing something very boring he's yeah. going to be funny yeah. um and 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 they've got to a point now that literally they could post anything and it would get like a million views overnight um but so to get to that level was amazing but i guess when i when i look at my channel at the moment i'm consistently getting like a hundred thousand views on average for per video um and when I compare my stuff to someone that's much bigger, I'm not going to name any names, but a lot of some of the British YouTubers that used to be mega YouTubers three or four years ago, their channels are just dying because they haven't really, in my opinion, a lot of them haven't evolved. They haven't really, it's the same old stuff day in, day out, day in, day out. And and I think their audience have grown up and, and they're not, they're just not responding to the same old stuff. Um, with my stuff, I just try and make the quality a lot better. So each video, I'm constantly trying to evolve and make it a little bit better, trying to add a bit more, trying to teach myself what what I didn't like in the previous video, try and change it for the next one. So I'm always just trying to not perfect my video, um, but always just try and make it as clean cut as possible. And I think now that I've got a bit of a following, um, I, I'm less scared because it's hard when you start out on YouTube as say someone like me and you're trying to get press cars, and, uh, or even cars out of a dealership, you've then got to be really nice about the car because otherwise you might not get another one. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two. But then once you start getting a bit of momentum and you and you know that say BMW UK are on your side, and then you can start being very honest about cars and asking for the cars that you want. I'm not going to ask for a two series Active Tourer because <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to be too excited or rave about it. So you can ask it. You can be specific about cars, but also you can talk about the negatives because you're not scared to talk about the negatives. And actually, if someone's looking at buying that particular car, they know the negatives. So if you're telling them that's kind of helping sell the car anyway, but a lot of PR teams and stuff don't can't understand that they just want a lot of stuff to be an advertisement and it's like no that doesn't sell what sells is the truth you know about a car um and and so yeah um so it's an interesting space but yeah i just i'm just i don't know i try not to i try not to watch or focus on anyone else's stuff um apart from like i love car well and I, you know a lot of bmw content but i just try and do my own thing and and for the past sort of six months or so that's really started to do well um and and just watch the feedback i look at 
I look at the, I spend a lot of time reading through the comments, trying to reply to as many as I can, but reading about what people want or what they don't want, how they respond to things. Um, and I think that's really important. That's again, massively time consuming, but obviously very important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And no, you're right. The authenticity of being able to say, you know, being honest about the cars, that's super important because if people know that they're going to get an authentic review from you and it's not just going to be, you know, some shill for BMW or, you know, whatever it is, whatever brand it is, then they're going to, they're, they know they can get real content from you and they're going to come and keep watching your channel. And it's clearly working because your channel is growing, you know, really quickly. So you yeah. know, whatever you're doing is working. So <laughs> keep well, thanks. No, I know, honestly, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with having got, you know, people like you guys on my side and sharing that, that makes a big difference, especially when I'm going back a couple of years, when you started first sharing things of mine, that that was a huge impact on the channel um but i think cross sharing things like that and having an amazing you know especially seeing as i do a lot of bmw stuff and you guys um you know that's what you base your your, your blog around so it's just having that as, as you guys sharing my stuff on your platform is is also is also an amazing thing but but yeah but that you've got to make it good enough for for people like you to, to yeah, sort exactly. of recognize I mean, that and share we, we don't share from everyone really i mean we're Maybe like in the beginning we did because we kind of needed content, but then we started to look, you know, you know what people make really good videos and also the the feedback that we see on our channel when we post your videos and others. If, if they're positive, then we keep posting that. Uh, yeah. Doing Carwa because I like early on they did really good, uh, you know, videos. I also met, uh, you know, Matt, uh, some BMW events and his crew and they were great yeah. guys. And I realized, you know, the content that they do. So we started posting that. Um, so yeah, so from, from our end, we, we do kind of want to take a look, you know, who's doing what and, uh, yeah. and that's what we post. But what I was going to say also is that, you know, it, it's a little bit easier for you guys now that, you know, they're new, like to the, to the, um, media world or whatever the YouTube world, uh, especially with cars, because when, when we started, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, there was no concept of new media, like, you know, blogs and all of that. It was, it, it nearly took years to get some support that, that would make yeah. a difference. And now it's a little bit easier because now they're, you know, all the automakers, especially BMW, they're used to YouTubers and TikTokers and Instagram and that. Uh, I mean, the uphill, you know, is much, much, you know, harder for us basically because we need to teach them what's a, what's a blog really. It's really just a magazine. It's online. It's not, you know, print. Right. Uh, but now they totally get it. So now if somebody comes up with some really good videos and stuff, they, they know that it's it's a new thing and it's working and it's worth trying. So it makes a little bit, you know, your life easier. As far as authenticity, we we always try to stay, um, you know, true and objective. It's not always easy because we cover mostly BMW stuff. But we, we've talked to BMW, you know, a few times and we said we need to stay true. If a car, we don't like something about a car, we'll point it out because if we do, then people come back and they know that when we post something positive about a car, they know that it's... It's real. Yeah, it's it's real. So we're not just a marketing machine, right? So yeah. it's it's sometimes it's really hard for us to keep that, you know, balance to be objective. And sometimes, you know, we go out of our way to find a fault that maybe somebody else wouldn't find it. Like when yeah. I review cars, you know, and I have time with them, I really try to find that little thing that, that you know, that would annoy me or that I don't like just because we want yeah. to be real. So we dig a little bit deeper than anybody else. But uh like every brand, I always say there, there are no perfect products. There are always going to be a product that somebody doesn't like. And the other thing from our end, and we've talked, we talked about this with Jason Camisa, was that it's so hard to to put yourself in the shoe of the actual customer. So I've been saying this for a long time. Even though 
I love the 7 Series. I don't see myself ever owning one, you know, because I'm just not that type of a driver or person. So I'm more of on yeah. the M2 side. Like the M2, that would be the car that I would probably always want to buy. So when we, when we review cars, that's the hardest part, you know, and I talk to Nico about this a lot, you know, how do we become the customer and make sure Taking that we- your head off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Active Tourer, I remember speaking of that, just a side story. I went to uh, Frank Ferraro show a few years ago with Chuck, you know, uh, friend of ours and we they asked us what kind of car we want to drive from Munich to Frankfurt and we said an active tour and they're like what so uh, <laughs> so I, we only took the car because first of all we're, we're not getting the car here so that was good content but we wanted to see if it's useful so I was so tired and, and Chuck drove all the way and I slept in the car the whole time and that was part of the review I said you know if you going for a long trip and you're tired perfect car to you know relax sleep you know lounge and all of that so <laughs> stuff like that so I, I did not mind the active tour from that perspective and i do see why a customer would want to buy that car in europe yeah I, I i don't think that it works in the us but in uh, europe the market and if it's if it's not expensive i guess it it works it's not yeah. a previous car but yeah no no you got you got a, a very good point there and you're right it is it's it is about um yeah taking also we get to drive a lot of other cars that people you know we get to drive a lot more cars than the average customer you know you think an average customer an average bmw owner has a car for three years and then is advised what to go for next and then is stuck with that car and they might occasionally drive their wife's car or their friend's car but they don't really know what to compare it to and they're not the same sort of thought process as us guys who just want usually something fun to drive that's what we're always searching for is that is the most exciting car to drive because right. because we, we we get to drive other things and we kind of know where the benchmark is but um but yeah it is it is it's it's funny when you do i had like a what's it it was a 530d touring which is a lovely car but i put one on the channel a couple of months ago and, and i was excited about driving it because i love I think BMW UK just assume that I just want M cars all the time, which fine, give them to me, no problem. But but I do like trying other things like that, and and I had it, and I really enjoyed that. And that video went off because obviously there's a much bigger audience that that, that can buy and are gonna go and buy a 530D over an M5, for instance. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting. It is all cars have their qualities. Yeah, I feel mean now about the two series Active Tourer. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I mean, wish we got the Turing's here though, right, Nico? Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish we got all, oh, yeah, uh, everything from, that BMW gets in. And you guys get all the, the great stuff. I mean, yeah, the active tours aren't that exciting, but at least they're <laughs> useful. Like the Turing's we obviously would love to get, but we, we always get the shaft. I mean, I can uh, complain. Yeah. We get the manual M3, so I want to. Yeah, but that isn't that weird? Way. Yeah. I always forget that you guys, you don't get the one series no. and you don't get which which the new one okay it's no massive loss but still it's it's still a but in my you get but you get a two series grand coupe over that yeah. is that your that's your entry level bmw yeah it is yeah, yeah. and and the one series to me the is um, i just the one oh and the x1 as well yeah i suppose the yeah x1, uh, i don't know which one's cheaper i think the I'm x1 sure. actually might be cheaper i don't really okay. know but whatever one of those yeah but it's yeah the, the, sorry sorry no, 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 yeah. no i was just gonna say that yeah the one series to me is like even though the new one's nothing as exciting as the old one, um, it, it's it's it, it's a brilliant. The hatchback is just such a capable, practical car compared to that two series um, Grand Coupe, which I can't really get my head around. Um, no one can. No, <laughs> but they sell. They sell well over they here. Do. Anyway, they sell well here I've seen, too. They do. I see, <laughs> I see a lot of them. Yeah. 
yeah. I actually, we have a friend that actually has one. And I talked to him, I asked him, why did you buy one? He goes, oh, it's a good car. He goes, I think he's like, I think it's ugly as hell, but it's a good car. I don't know why I bought it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think also as Americans or people that live here, we buy cars also mostly because of the prestige of the brand. Right. So if yeah. the badge on the, on the hood, we'll probably buy it. It also comes down to pricing. So. Uh, I would say the American consumer, and I can probably generalize, we're, we're all about getting deals. You know, mm -hmm. if you get the best deal, then we want the yep. badge for the cheapest amount of money possible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how we're thinking all the time. So if you go to the dealer and they tell you that you could get the you know, two series Grand Coupe for $200 per month versus a three series for five, I'll, I'll bet you any money that nine out of 10 will pick that two series Grand oh, it's, Coupe. It's 10 of out course. of 10. It's 100% yeah. of the time. You also got to keep in mind that we don't have a lot of roads to drive fast. So most of the cars, they're yeah. never going to be put at full potential. If you get stopped at 100 miles per hour, you're probably going to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. So a lot of people don't need, you know, supercars here like super BMW. So that's why they will buy that. But uh, the other point that you said was interesting was the, M the M140i, the previous one. I remember, um, same thing, I went to Germany, Munich, and I always pick up a car to go to an auto show. So this one was in Geneva, and same thing. They said, oh, you want an M140i, why? I'm like, I'm like you don't get it. I mean, we, we don't get the car there. I want to drive that all the way to Geneva. Yeah. And I drove that car. It was it, it, It's still one of my favorite. It, it was an X-Drive, still one of my favorite BMWs ever made. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if I were to buy one, you know, in Europe, I would keep it forever. It's like a 1M almost, you know, it's it's a fantastic car. Really one of their best cars they made in the last 20 years. And I don't say that lightly. Yeah, it's one I'm super jealous that you you actually own, Joe, because you had a rear-wheel drive. Did, was yours manual, your M140? Uh, uh, so I had, well, I had two M135Is. So I had a an auto 2013 early one uh, to, for two years. That was an auto. Then I went manual. Um, so it was an LCI M135i, so facelifted one, um, but 135. They went along for, around for long because then they introduced the 40i. So I had that for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and then and then I brought an M1. So I actually had three of the M lights. Then I had an M140 Auto, but it had I had um, a diff. I had loads done to that. So it came. I got the BMW uh, factory. Uh, diff LSD on it, mm -hmm. um, and it was just an absolute riot. Like I really missed that that car, and it, and it was that was just pre OPF filter because obviously we have these yeah. horrible filters over here. Um, and that was the last. I mean, that car was brilliant. I, you could hear it everywhere. It was almost too loud for me. It would be now at my older age, but um, <laughs> but yeah, compared to some of the newer B fifty eight cars that we get in Europe, you just don't even hear them. Like a four forty i now, if you're on the outside of them. You can't even hear it's it over shame. here. You know, it's a good-sounding car here. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, yeah, with that B58, the potential. But I think the, the the restrictions, the sound regulations in Europe are getting so bad now. Um, and that's another thing you are talking about the customer earlier on, that we've got to think about the other customers. But also, I think the other way, the customers in Europe anyway, everyone complains at the moment about cars sounding bad and this and that it's like yeah but manufacturers aren't doing it on purpose right, <laughs> you yeah. know they're getting literally strangled at the moment engines and the manufacturers are getting strangled um and and, and i think you know yeah the new m3 and m4 don't sound amazing over here but they sound pretty good and i'd much rather that than hear a four pot or have an electric car you know like it's like come on, let's just celebrate what we've got while we've got it, because it's not going to be around for, forever. Um, 
and I just think people don't realise the, the restrictions that, that that Germany have with all their, you know, not and it's not just BMW, it's all of the German, the Audi, the, you know, they all sound so strangled. It's it's frustrating yeah. and sad, but well, Audi's the worst because they have the soft limiter at like oh yeah, RPM, so you can't even <laughs> rev it like standing still. You don't hear anything. It's no, pretty, yeah, they actually have that yeah. here too. And you drive a new Audi here. We we don't have the OPF filter, but we have the soft limiters on Audis. They still sound like crap. So, it's, yeah, it's such yeah, a shame. We, we always have to point out. So I I make a point on on some of the videos that 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 I post to make sure that we mention if it's an OPF uh, uh, install car or not, because some people don't realize the differences and they see a, a European model and they're like, oh my god, it sounds terrible. And then yeah. you have to tell them the, about the OPF, then they don't know what an OPF really is because we don't have right. that here. And um, I. I've been always trying to to get two cars from BMW, one with OPF and non-OPF, to put them side by side and kind of rev them up and show them the differences. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's something that I still want to do this year, you know, hopefully, and you know, work with a with an audio crew and be able to really capture that to show people there are significant differences in between the sound of the car. So, yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, we we kind of get lucky in America. We both get uh, manuals in in the M3s, and we get we don't have the OPF filter, so. We're a little bit lucky on it. You get the Turing's though, so that's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, you guys get the Turing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. Turing. We don't get the Turing that. for us, it's like the manual to you on the M3 and M4. Yeah. A lot of people are very vocal about the Turing's and they really love them and, you know, they want them, but it's such a small number that it's really not worth homologating the car to bring it to the US. I, I heard that it's a huge amount of money to do that for the Turing yeah. and then the the, the the uptake, you know, the take rate, it's, it's just very, very low. And yeah. even though the, a lot of people that, you know, the love it and will buy it, it's just not enough. Yeah. That, yeah. that always interests me though, because Audi sold the RS6 here. Yeah, which is weird. And yeah. the second it went on sale, it was sold out immediately. And then any dealer that had them were marking them up twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 over sticker. Wow. People were still buying them. So yeah. it, it's weird. Audi is having a lot of success with the RS6 Avant and BMW doesn't feel that they're going to have success here with the Touring. So I, I don't know, it comes I don't out know to who's right game. on that one. I think Nico, it's, it comes down to the business case, right? I mean, I, I don't know which one of the two has more money. I'm assuming maybe the VW group has a little bit well, more money yeah, to VW throw at it. Yeah. So they probably can afford to have a lower margin or a lower profit margin on each car right. and be able to capture the market. The same thing with, they did with the R8, right? I mean, that was not a profitable car from what I know. No, but it's also dying now. They're getting rid of it. So it's, I mean, it's been, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because, uh, yeah, as soon as. Um, as soon as the RS6 was launched in 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 uh, America, the new one, and yeah, they said that. I did think, oh well, they might start bringing touring. BMW might see that because obviously you'd think Audi have done enough research to know that they're going to sell enough to make it worthwhile because um, they haven't got money to burn essentially. But um, but yeah, I think an M3 touring. I mean, the comments I see in my videos from a lot of American um, viewers are uh, always anything touring. Oh my God, I wish mm -hmm. we got to I wish we got touring. And I know that they're obviously the car obsessed small percentage. The people like but, me though, that can't actually afford to buy the M3 touring are the ones saying, hey, bring it over here. Yeah. What are we <laughs> yes. going to do with it? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it would be. But I could picture one. I could picture an M3 touring in the States, like no problem. That would surely, surely um, sell, but it's not going to so. happen. No. Um, a little bit about you, Joe. Uh, you drove the 128 Ti, another car that we're not going to yeah. drive for a while. What was your thought on that? Yeah, I think it's um, uh, it's it's definitely the most entertaining of the new of the new one series I've driven. Um, the 135i was a bit disappointing. It, it did everything really well, but just wasn't exciting. Like when I had the 135, I had one for three months, maybe two years ago when they first came out, and I got to the point where I wasn't, I wasn't. 
I was never excited about driving. I wouldn't jump in it on a Sunday morning and go out for a drive because it was just like, it was just a car, really. It was a good car. Whereas the 128, um, completely different, like a bit of an animal. Uh, I don't know if you've driven the new GP3 Mini. Uh, I have not. I think yeah. Nico did. Yeah. Yeah, so the Jeep, I mean, that's an extreme. And to me, on the road, that's just, it's too much. It just, it, yeah, it, it, it talks the ears. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an on track, actually. It's that I've driven one on track and they start to make a lot more sense on track because they're so stiff, the GP3, that on the road in the UK, they're just undrivable with the weather and stuff. But the yeah. 128 is like, I find it, it, it's like a combination between 135 and the GP3 and it kind of has the best traits from both cars. Um, it feels noticeably lighter than any other one series I've driven. Um, and, and it just feels playful and fun. It feels like I expect a hot hatch to feel, you know, it's fun, it's naughty, but when you turn everything off and just leave it or turn everything on, sorry, and leave it in its default mode to go down to your supermarket, it's just a normal one series with a really nice ride. Um, so I think, yeah, value for money as well over here. They're, they're very, very affordable um, on like, finance. It's like GTI price right in the UK? yeah it, even even let even less so it's less than than a than a, it's about 1500 pounds less than a gti oh, wow. uh, with a dsg yep oh, yeah it's, it's, I mean, considering the gti here. here is quite cheap like not super cheap but it's you know really affordable like sports car um, yeah it's really interesting that you could get a bmw you know in the equivalent like you know size and, and segment for for less yep. that's actually really interesting now, yeah. have you driven the new GTI? Because what what would you choose actually yeah, over them? That's my question. Yeah. Uh, I have I haven't actually. I've got a club sport turning up in a couple of weeks, Ooh. and then an R just after that. So I'm a bit behind the curve with the with the new Volkswagen. So um, so I can't really comment. But I have I have driven the new S3 um, end of last year again when that was launched, and and to be fair i've never really found s3s have always been lovely objects to look at and they're nice interiors and whatever but i've always found them to be very numb and uninvolving and not exciting at all to drive and i actually owned one many years ago and sold it after about six months just because it was just dull um <laughs> but the but the new one uh that's essentially you know same platform and 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 the same as the golf r I really, really enjoyed my time with that. And I oh. thought it was the most entertaining, like more involving and more fun than any RS3 even. Okay, it doesn't have the five foot yeah. soundtrack, but as an actual, you know, as a dynamic tool, it was just much better, much oh. more fun to drive. Um, so, uh, so basing my judgment on that car, the Golf is usually a little bit better, but I don't like all of the, I, like I just don't like the touchscreen stuff in the new Golf. So I've driven a normal right, Golf. Yeah. It's just yeah, too much, you know. I, I had a I had a Cupra the other day, which again is the same same. Uh, do you get you guys get Cupras over there? No say out here. Nope. Okay. Uh, well, that that used the same infotainment as the new Golf Eight, so it's like a big screen, and it's effectively the whole thing's touchscreen. But I, I demonstrated actually a video I've just posted on my channel, and uh, to turn the seat heating on, right, in a normal traditional car. You just press the button once, yeah. a nice mechanical button, dunk, and it's on, right? Mm -hmm. This thing, no. You have to wait. Firstly, you turn the engine on. It takes 45 seconds for the infotainment screen to fire up, right? So on a cold morning, the first thing you do is back. So you've got, you're already 45 seconds behind. <laughs> and then finally, it fires up, and you've got to press the seat button. 
and that's quite awkward because it's right at the top and you press it once if you leave it more than two seconds it disappears again so you got to press it once and then press it again to to activate where you want the seat and it's just like how's that how is that techno <laughs> like how are we moving forward with that you know it's it's frustrating and that's when you're sitting still let alone when you're on the move down a bumpy road you can't yeah. So yeah, so I've gone a bit off subject, but I just I'm just not the biggest fan of touch all touch screen stuff. I think it's only run by voice. Can you use voice controls? Yeah, you can, and that's what I get in the comments a lot. But it's like I'm <laughs> I'm not going to get in my car and talk. You know, uh, again, it's like is that easier than just pressing a button, like right. telling your car that um, I've never had a voice look... control system ever work really well and like work consistently ever yes. not any not in uh, audi's bmws they never seem to work properly maybe they can't understand my new jersey accent but uh, <laughs> not like, just that i think what's going to happen so so they're i mean i'm a little bit on the techie side you know uh, based on my degree but uh <laughs> I, yeah. can, I can give a little bit of background on that so the old school voice controls yes you had to recognize your voice properly all of that i think the newer ones they use some sort of artificial intelligence similar to Alexa and Siri. So basically, it's going to start to learn your voice, your accent and all of that. So you will get better with time. Yep. So in the future, if, you know, you will be able to, you know, or it will be able to recognize you easier. So I think they're trying to move away from too many controls in the car and more towards, you know, gestures and voice. I don't know if it's the right thing, but if yep. you make an analogy and you, and you look back in history, uh, you know, 15 years ago, everybody said that Blackberries and, the, you know, the, the physical keyboards are the way to go and no one's yeah. going to type on the screen and all of that. And people changed, right? And I yeah. think... I wouldn't be surprised if in the next decade or so when the new iPhone comes out, it's going to be all virtual reality. You're going to tell the phone to show you something, you know, display it somehow and do all of that. So things change. So I think they're trying to stay ahead of the game and kind of kind of go with the uh, electromobility, which it, it kind of that like implies simplicity and yeah. interact with the car. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a while till you get used to that. But I don't know. I, I mean, different to touchscreen because like you, I use mostly the controls too i don't really touch like on the screen yeah but i would be more interested to see if i can use the voice to do more things you know i mean that would be something that i would probably be enjoying a lot more than you know finding another thing to you know click yeah. on well i mean it all comes down to integration right so like it has to it has to work better than it has to be simpler than just touching a button or, or no one's gonna use it so the technology really has to improve to that point because yeah with BMW's thing, at least the whole like when you say "Hey BMW," if I say just the word "BMW," that <laughs> dumb assistant comes on and starts doing all random things because I don't know what comes on, so I'm still talking and it's doing all sorts of weird. You random can change stuff. it though, so it drives me nuts. I, I have to. I have to change it every time change. because it's hey, so Nico. sensitive. I think, like 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 uh, Horatio was saying, I think it's going to get better with time, and it is going to be the future. Um, eventually but i just think they need to the way some of the manufacturers are going at the moment um yeah it's just like the tesla that big horrible ipad yeah. i mean that's just so distracting and just awful but yeah. but people talk about it and yeah. and tesla owners love it yeah. <laughs> it blows my mind because the model three you have to go through like three different sub menus just to adjust the mirrors like <laughs> it's, it's insane to me but I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought up Audi because Audi seems to have backtracked a little bit. So with the e-tron, yes. they changed with or the e-tron GT and the Q4, yep. they changed that touchscreen is now physical, yep. physical buttons. So I wonder yep. if Audi at least is starting to say, okay, this maybe was not the best idea for the touch climate controls. They still have the touchscreen yep. and MI system, but the climate controls at least they changed because that was the biggest problem. Yes. They changed that to physical. So I wonder if maybe automakers are starting to say, okay, maybe let's not do touchscreen everything. 
and just do it for like the important infotainment stuff and then everything else you can make pretty simple buttons because i love that they did that i love that they backtracked a little bit yeah yeah no i think you're i think you're 100 right when i saw that e-tron gt I, I that was the first thing and actually someone pointed it out to me when it launched that night they're like look joe no the buttons are back and i was like oh yes buttons <laughs> yeah. um and that's ironic isn't it in their brand new state-of-the-art electric car and they brought the button back buttons right. back and it's like ah um so so yeah no it's It'll be it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see if that continues in the next generation A6 A7 A8 and stuff yeah. but um but uh but yeah it's 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 evolving I mean I guess yeah no, nobody gets everything right um but the iDrive I just I just hope the the iDrive controller that I mean they're talking about getting mo getting rid of it right for the next generation potentially or Maybe. I don't know if you guys know anymore oh, actually I think it's gonna it's become such an icon thing in the car I think they're always gonna I mean. I can't really say always. I, I'm not gonna go there, but I think, um, but I think at least for the next decade, I think it's gonna be there because they just show the iX and then the i4, and it's still, I mean, the i4 of course here, but it still has it. Yeah. So by the time they change all of that, and I'm pretty sure the new seven series will have it too. I think it's such an iconic design element inside a car. They wouldn't want to get rid of it. They might adjust it to do to perform certain functions, maybe different functions, but yeah. it's. Like to me, the iDrive, you know, whatever shape it has, it's just part of the BMW. It's there, you know what it does, you know what it is. I, I it would be kind of silly to get rid of that, honestly. It's I totally very, agree. I mean, and you know, you you mentioned technology evolving. The first iDrive that came out, I mean, we weren't doing this back then, but I saw cars with with the first iDrive, and it was terrible. I mean, <laughs> it was a piece of technology. But then again, it, it shows that automakers learn, right? I, I think it's hard to nail it. You have to get a lot of feedback from customers and see what works and what doesn't. But I'm curious to see the iX, you know, how it operates. They, they moved a bunch of things to the steering wheel now on the iX. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to work out. And that actually yeah. segues into the, one of my next questions for you, Joe. You have seemed to not be a huge fan of electric cars not that you dislike them but you seem to be much more of a you know internal combustion kind of guy so what yeah. do you think about the new ix and the i4 because those are the big deals right now um, yeah i mean i don't know what it's like in in the states i guess my yeah i'm a pet i've got a few things the petrol head in me just doesn't want to accept that that's going to be the future um <laughs> i'm in denial <laughs> um uh, but you know i've driven pretty much every electric car that's available out there and i guess my highlights are the Taycan's just incredible um and and uh, and so is the e-tron um suv um you know they're very very good cars and and they work really well the issues we or the issue we have in the uk is the infrastructure the charging network and stuff just isn't there i mean we're so far away it's not even funny and even if you live in a i mean big cities now uh, so overpopulated and 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 you know almost impossible to find anywhere to park let alone park your electric car and all the electric bays are full and it's it, i just can't that that's my biggest gripe with evs at the moment is they fit if if you're a very wealthy family and you live on the outskirts of london for instance and you've got a big four car garage and you've got your rs6 and your m5 or your m2 in there and whatever then you're probably going to have a mini electric um, or an e-tron or whatever it might be one of bmw's new offerings that you can then skip into town and do your stuff with and big green which isn't really green but anyway and then come back and that's fine in that scenario it works because you've got your charger your fast charger in your garage in fact you never need to utilize any of the infrastructure outside you don't care about the infrastructure because you're only using that car to do short journeys and but it's 
it's it's the reality of I think if you picture everyone or even fifty percent of people suddenly boom overnight if they all had electric cars, it would never work over here. It just wouldn't because we have queues in fuel stations and and people are filling up for five minutes to get three hundred and fifty four hundred miles, not filling up for an hour to get. 200 miles you know um so i think that's that's the biggest issue over here and i just think also this whole green thing it's it's you know it's we're we're kind of we're kind of being sold the dream and being told that there's you know what happens with the like the build process the batteries and there's so much more to it and and it's funny and i was in germany I think last yeah last year and a friend of mine was telling me he had an old mark 4 golf that he had since new and um and he basically said that all his neighbors and everyone hates him because he drives around in this mark for golf and they think of him as satan because he's basically damaging the planet and, and it's like but he's had that car for 20 years it's not right. you, do you know what i mean it's not it's 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 footprint on the earth is is not bad at all and they're all going around in their teslas that they get one you know every two years they're buying a new one and a new one and and it's like that's that's I think that's my that's my other side of the battery. Not I wouldn't call it hate, but it's just the people that honestly genuinely think, oh, these things are saving our planet and 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 everything's going to be fine once we got them. And and I just think the poor car industry's really had to suffer. And again, manufacturers have really had to yeah. bend over backwards to make this work. Um, and and actually, there's much bigger things out there that are doing a lot more damage pollution wise to the planet. But you know forgetting all that i think yeah that bmw's i'm not sure on bmw's approach with electric cars i love what audi have done with the e-tron suv in the sense that if you see one on the street you look at it you go oh is it a q5 is it a q7 or is it an e-tron and i love that but when you get in there it's a little bit different and i think the subtle the subtle approach but then saying that i think the i3 that, that you say you have um Horatio is, is that was so ahead of its time that car I mean it was it was way too early wasn't it like it, it it almost it almost came out way before the curve but that's cool that like smaller cars can be a bit concepty looking but I think when they get bigger for me anyway I don't want my electric car looking like hey look at me I'm an electric car I just want a car <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I, I want a good looking BMW that just happens to have you know electric underpinnings i don't want it to look and i don't like some of the styling of the new ix cars but again i haven't seen them in real life and right. i'm sure if i did see one i like the new four the i is it the i4 mm-hmm. pictures i've seen of that i mean i don't love it but i don't dislike it because that actually looks to me like a four series grand coupe of the new generation yeah, um sorry. Yeah, there's so, definitely yeah, two so... schools of thought in terms of styling with evs there's like audi's mm-hmm. seems to be keeping it traditional because they want to you know, kind of convert traditional car buyers to electric yep. cars. So they don't want it to be a drastic change. And then you know, other companies like BMW and uh, Tesla as well are trying to keep like really shake it up and make it look very different. So, I mean, I'm not saying either is right or wrong. A time will only, only time will tell. Uh, yeah. But it is interesting to see the two different trains of thought there. And you see clearly seem to be more of the traditional style. Keep it looks, keep it similar. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see which one ends up being right. I think from yeah. the BMW side, what I see is that um, there was a change in leadership basically the last few years, and I think that's going to be a change also in strategy. Um, so if you look at the iX3, that's a product of the previous leadership, and I mean the iX2 and the i4, but the iX3 really is just like the Q5. It's just an X3 that has a drive That's technique. true, yeah. It's not very different. I think with the iX, clearly they wanted to make it a little bit different, more of a flagship electric car. 
Uh, but then the i4 and the 4 Series Grand Coupe that's going to come out, I don't think they're that different. I mean, design-wise, from far away, I don't think people will be able to tell which one is what. So I think with BMW, the real test will come probably past 2025 when now they just announced this new class basically of vehicles, which from what I understood is they're going to try to build an EV dedicated platform. I haven't really confirmed that with them, but I want to get more info on that. So they might be going back to where they want to build a, a dedicated you know, EV platform uh, yeah. for each car versus, you know, having, um, you know, what they have right now, uh, power of choice, you know, for different drivetrains on a single platform. So yeah. then we have to see what they come out as far as design and all of that. But that's probably not going to happen till you know, 2030, where we see some actual products on the road. Yeah. I think the i5, whatever they want to call it, or the i7, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of design approach they took. Is it the same as the 5 Series and the 7, or is it a little bit different? Yep. Not so sure. And then to go back a little bit more on what you said about the, the electric cars and charging infrastructure. So in the U.S., um, I mean, I have quite of experience right now with EVs, and uh, I have just seen my lifestyle based on that, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But um, we have multiple countries in one country here. Yeah. So if you go to California, it's a totally different type of electric customer that you see in the Midwest or the South, or it's totally different. So from that, you also have different approach to infrastructure. Like you go to California, and there are charging stations everywhere. There is not an issue absolutely to charge your car i mean level two it's so common it's like ridiculous mm -hmm. so level like level three there is a lot too but then you go to chicago and in, uh, in, in, in a city of uh, 2.3 million people and i think the surroundings 10 10 million i don't think there are more than 15 20 fast charging stations I mean, it's ridiculous wow. within within a, a i would say about five mile radius from my home I think there are about three fast charging stations that they're available. So that's low. I mean, and when we talk not about even the, that bad, like yeah, I mean, by me, the closest fast charger is like 20 miles away. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. the problem here. So if you live in the right area where there is infrastructure, like, you no, know, you know, New York and all that area and California, especially charging, it's usually not an issue. You know, it's, it's really, it's really, um, it's really based on the, on the area that you live in. So I think that's what's going to, uh, be an issue with adoption in certain areas, but I think places like California, they're just gonna boom with electric cars. That so people are just gonna, at some point soon, they'll just be mostly electric cars. Wow, yeah, or just there. So, I mean, I mean, same thing. I, I, I love the, uh, I love the idea of an electric car. I think I'll always have a combustion, you know, powered car as well. But um, I love the simplicity of electric cars. Really, I'm, you know, had an i3. Like I said, you know, four, four of them. Never, never had to go to the dealership. Never. Yeah, I mean, literally never. I mean, sometimes they will call me to ask me to come in to kind of check out the car, and I was like, totally forgot about that. So that's one nice thing, you know. The second thing is, you know, that you don't, I don't have to think about, you know, going to put gas in and all of that. It's just nice, and it was actually especially super nice for six years because BMW had this free charging plan. So basically, oh, that's right. My car free for six years. Now <laughs> they have to pay like seven to twelve dollars per charge, and I'm like, oh man, this is terrible. But yeah, for six years it was literally, you know, perfect. So. I don't know. I mean, the electromobility is going to be uh, it's going to be quite interesting, and everybody's taking a different approach, and we'll see which one is right. I mean, I think they're still trying to figure out, honestly. Yeah, everyone but is. Yeah. That's the other thing you just mentioned then as well is cost, because um, going back uh, three or four years here uh, to charge a car um, was really low. Like to charge a, a Tesla uh, Model S cost about 10 pounds or something and and to fill it fill it up to fill up a car of that equivalent it would have cost you 100 pounds because our fuel prices are a lot higher over here obviously but now 
um, what's happening is all these charging networks are putting the prices up and up and up and up. And as the car sales are going up, the prices are, are going up. And in fact, I had a Taycan uh, a couple of weeks ago and I, I, I did my research and I found a fast charger, which the closest one to me is about 20 minute drive because I live out, I live on the, like in, in the countryside, but not far from London. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I found this place, it had really good write-ups and stuff. And it was, and it was a reasonably priced place and it cost me 38 pounds to, 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 to charge about 80% of the Taycan. Uh, and, and yeah, so that's like, what's that about? Uh, $60, Yeah. So, and I worked out that if it was a Panamera, I mean, it would have cost me about to, to, to fill up the tank. It would have cost me about yes, yeah, 70, 80 quid to fill 80, 80% of the tank. So, so it was cheaper, but not like massively cheaper, you know, it was like, <laughs> and, and so, and so if, 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 if these rates keep continuing to go up, then that's going to be interesting because because um and i guess the other question is yeah where you know we make a lot of the government make a lot of money on on taxing petrol um and and that's that's going to have to come from somewhere so what's going to happen with with electricity you know yeah. is it just going to keep going up as we're forced into electric cars then the electricity might just rise a bit more um so so yeah, but that free card that you had, a free that that would have been amazing. You know, <laughs> no wonder you had an i three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also to... the ability to like kind of you kind of with an electric car, you sort of get to democratize what you how you fill up your car, right? Because you can charge it at a charging station, you can charge it at your house if you want to get solar panels on your house to help charge it. So there are interesting ways to to do that, and you sort of can't. The only, I mean getting solar panels is really the only green way to charge yeah. your car. Otherwise you're getting from the power grid anyway, which is burning, you know, you know, hurting the <laughs> environment is... in itself. But uh, yeah. as you said, like the green element of it is really not there just yet. But um, my next question for you is what would make you like, what would make you get an electric car? Would it have to be infrastructure change or would the cars have to become maybe more exciting or more, more interesting or what, like uh, what would be your first electric car? Um, it would have to, I think if I lived in London, I mean, I grew up in London and I moved out about 10 years ago. And if I lived in London, in fact, I was talking to my parents who still live in London the other day. And dad was actually asking me about the electric mini, um, because they do lots of smaller journeys within town. And I think if I lived in London now, I would actually strongly consider getting myself a mini E that would be my daily car to go around town. And then I'd have my M2 maybe in a storage unit on the outskirts of London. And and I would literally treat London like that because there's so many in towns like London now, there's so many restrictions on pollution, congestion charge, et cetera, that you have to pay if you don't have an electric car. Um, and so having an EV makes your life so much cheaper and so much easier. And also it's nice. I, I took a mini e into town a few weeks ago and it was just lovely. It was the first time I really appreciated an electric car driving through the middle of one of the Royal parks with not on the, in, not on in the park <laughs> itself on the road, but yeah, window down. It was a nice spring sort of uh, afternoon and, and it was just nice because I couldn't, the, the limit is 20 mile now. There's cameras everywhere. You don't, you can't speed in towns. Like you just right. wouldn't, you wouldn't in London. It's a built up area. And, and I was sitting there going, well, I don't want any more. This is lovely. Like, it's a really, I could hear the birds singing. I could hear the bicycle. I could, and it was just like, oh, I feel like I'm out in the environment. This is really nice. So I think if I lived in town, if I lived in London, I, I would all, and, 
if this charging was possible, if I was in an apartment or a small house or something that made it reasonably easy for me to charge a car, then I would definitely consider one probably even now just just to to get around a lot of the restrictions on 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 combustion engine cars. Um, but where I am now, I like that yeah, until I'm forced into getting one, there would be no reason for me to get one um, because right. it just it wouldn't make any sense. It would be a pain. Um, you know, a paint. Whenever I've got a, an electric press car, it's always a headache for me because even charging it from, like, the, our, we've got a garden out the back, and just it's just impossible even to charge it from home. You know, without yeah. with the rain coming down and all the rest of it, because we haven't we haven't got the fast charger, we haven't got that infrastructure here because we haven't got an electric car. So, so yeah, it, ask me in three years. And- <laughs> <laughs> as it stands i think but i think again that's that's how it kind of is you know people that people that live in california as you're saying it's easier for them uh again it's all down to the infrastructure and if i move to london tomorrow i would literally be like oh mini electric they're like a couple of hundred pounds a month uh and they'll save me on fuel they're saving me. I, i'll probably be better off having one than not having one for sure right. you know so in that scenario then it would it would make it would make a lot of sense yeah Right. Yeah. No, I feel you. Cause like, uh, I would like actually an electric car as my next car because, uh, I just want to try it. I kind of want to have that experience and just see what it's like to live with an electric car for a little. Plus I don't drive very far. So the range is not a problem for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, charging is still an issue. Like I would have to put a, a fast charger in my house because you like, plug it into a wall socket. It takes like 15 hours <laughs> to charge even a small car. You know, So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna definitely be a weird adoption, and I'm wondering, I'm very curious to see how the next ten years go, and how automakers kind of make that shift because there are so many differences in um you know the way customers look at them. You know, that's why I was asking you to see how you felt about it, and there's so many differences between how automakers are approaching this. So it's just a yep. really interesting uh, time because you know. BMW just came out with an M3 and also an i4 at the same time, so it's like yeah, well, it's 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 kind of crazy. How yeah, yeah. It up. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah. so you're gonna keep the M3 for a while. Is the is the answer? Yeah, the M. Well, I'm gonna keep the, the M2. So the M, the M3 is is financed, and we'll see. Uh, the idea with the M3 really between well, this is a. I'm sure people have already kind of like figured it, but when the touring comes out in about 18 months, two years, that's what I want to. I want. I'm gonna. I'll get offload the M3 then and get the touring because that's the dream. Yeah, for sure. Um, Very jealous. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm that because I don't think you're going to see another M3 touring, probably. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And if we do, it'll be an electric one or something or a hybrid. But um, so you guys have got a couple. That's that's what we need to do. Once I've got that car, you guys need to come over and yeah, uh, we'll sure. go on a road trip with it. Um, uh, but no, I mean, I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> I probably don't need to ask you twice. So I'll get an email. Nick, yeah, Nick yeah, is yeah. emailing me now, right, Joe? Yeah. I'm going to have a calendar set for when the M3 touring comes out. A little calendar uh, notification. I'm going to start to message you as soon as, as soon as you get as it. As soon as it's here, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the M2 is something that I, I want to try and keep for a long time now, just because it's manual and because it's loud and because it's just it's just a bit naughty and a bit old school um and it's kind of got the old styling it, you know it's 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 kind of like last generation already uh, in the same way that you know you're keeping your um 1m and it's just yeah i think that that will stay with me so having that because even now when i jump in that m2 
um it's not old is it like i mean they've only just stopped making it but because i think because mine's got a really free-flowing exhaust and it makes a lot more it's when i jump in that now compared to anything else that we can get our hands on it's really naughty and loud and just it's like this is a real occasion so i get excited about driving it um and i think that's what i want as my as my as my sunday car whatever it is you know if, if i can afford for that to happen then that will always be my little toy yeah, that's a good choice. I think. Um, yeah, I would have got the M3 Touring too. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a bad choice. I'm kind of wondering if they're gonna, if it's gonna be limited or just gonna be limited by the production year, basically, because I think they say like one year production or something like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, talking to people like my good friend Tony Lewis, who's a, a very popular sales BMW sales sales guy over here. Um, he he has. I, I can't remember how many, I think he's taken about 25 deposits for him already. Um, so, and that's just one salesman. I mean, okay, he's a popular salesman within the M world in the UK, but, and, and talking to another friend, Malini, he's taken deposits. So, so people are like, and I'm getting contacted loads. What spec should I go for? How much for it? And we, obviously we don't know anything about costs and what I'm guessing we're going to obviously get, it will be auto only and it will yeah. be X drive only um, in the UK. Uh, and it's probably there's only be... one model. It's competition. All all will drive with with X drive. There is no okay. Other. Oh, okay. So that's that's yeah. I mean, that's what I'd guess, and that's that's what makes sense, I guess. But um, but yeah, there's. I mean, everyone's coming out of the woodwork. Even people that I know that have got RS fours and RS sixes, and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about getting one. Should I put a deposit? You know. So I think it's it'll be interesting because I think they're going to steal a lot of. I always thought it was like a gentleman's agreement between Audi and, and BMW. Um, you know, like, uh, okay, Audi can have the RS4 and Touring and then we'll make the M3 in the saloon. But obviously that was just in my head <laughs> because, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think RS4 sales were absolutely dip in the next year or so. Um, yeah. uh, the 100%, I think it would it almost kill that car off, which, which would be sad because that is a cool car, but surely the M3 is going to be a much better driving car. Then you have the uh, the Alpina B3 uh, Touring, which is pretty much there. I mean, it's not a it's not a full M3 Touring, but you can still get that one too. Yeah, it's true, and that's if probably arguably a better, especially UK car, because the Alpina's got the magic. Suspect that you know whatever they do, they just make it ride so well. So as a daily uh, sports car touring, if you, like, I think that would be that would be the one to go for. The only problem in, in the UK is. The Alpina network's not very big, and the finance. This this is the big problem: is the financing uh, for an Alpina. Finance companies don't recognise them as as a special as an M car equivalent. They 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 they'd look at an Alpina B three as an M three forty i almost. And so, when you're financing a car, let's say over three years, the settlement figure at the end um, or the residual at the end will be an M340 after three years. Okay, that's a bit exaggerated, but if you can imagine. So so you're paying off this massive thing, whereas an M3 is going to have that much value. So you're paying off that much that much finance. So when you look at the finance figures, they both cost the same retail, but the finance figures are massively different. An M3 is going to cost you a lot less than an Alpina. So they just don't sell many over here unless people are buying them sort of outright with cash because um, it costs them a lot more money um effectively but i love yeah alpine is a beautiful yeah, we, we spoke about that quite a bit last time yeah, alpine is yeah. a whole different level and we're <laughs> super jealous because we only get like one or two now we have two so yeah the whole, i might the get whole a third lineup. maybe the, the b8 yeah. 
The B7 and the XB7, right? No, yeah, but they're yeah. doing now the BA Grand Coupe. They're going to announce oh, right, right. Yeah, this the BA, week. Yeah, that would be pretty so cool. So that one might be coming to the U.S. because they had a B6 Grand Coupe also here too. Right. So I think that's a, it's, it's more of a U.S. car than anything else. I think any of those big Grand Coupes are definitely U.S. cars. What? You're trying to say that Americans only like big, gigantic cars? <laughs> it's not Danica. I because I, I know you haven't been to Europe yet, but if you if you go to Europe and drive around there, you'll you'll start to realize why you can't have a really big car right, there. Right, right. It's the uh, yeah. you'll be shocked how how difficult it is in in small cities to have a big car. Like even now going to Munich and getting a seven series, sometimes you can't even get into a parking garage because you can't take the cor the the corner. Basically, it's too tight. You just can't. I mean, yeah. I I think Germans can because they're, they're better drivers, but sometimes I had to get out of the car to literally look, you know, I mean, even though I would trust the, the, the sensors, I was like, am I going to fit? Am I going to go in? <laughs> yeah. So it's not easy. And that's Germany. I mean, now if you go to Greece and Italy, there is no way you're going to be driving an X7 in right, Italy. Right, I don't right. even see an X7 driving in Rome. That would be impossible. Oh, no, yeah. So disaster. If you have the roads, a Texas big, special. That's really what that is. If you have the big roads, we definitely like the big cars, and it's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just because uh, we have the infrastructure. I mean, those huge lanes, you know, you can drive anything on it, basically. Yeah. But uh, yeah. before we let you go, Joe, because we don't want to keep it too long, we we deviated yeah, no at the beginning from the M3 and M4 drive because you said you had it for like five days. So, uh, tell me, did did you have a chance to drive the F80 or F82 in in the past or? Yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in them. Um, so, I mean, what what did you feel? I'm kind of curious to see if you're going to match what I what I felt also. Yeah. So, okay. So two days ago, actually, I drove. So I had that M4, and I actually a friend of mine's got a 2019 M4 Competition F82, uh, and we had a little handling circuit, and so I got a chance to drive literally back to back, like out of one, straight into the other, out of that, straight into the other, um, and it was interesting because um the the old cars definitely got more feel it feels a bit more it feels lighter and it and it felt i could understand what was going on underneath me on the track a bit more like i could feel the car moving around and i i knew where the weight of the car was and i could feel the balance of the car i got in the new one and i felt uh, more removed from what was going on underneath me and everything just seemed to be turned up a level um but not to the point where it felt really numb, not like say an M8 on track. It's amazing an M8, what it can do on track for such a big, heavy, you know, whatever it is. But in an M8, there's no steering for everything. Just, it's just, mm -hmm. you're so removed from the car. It feels like you're in an SUV to me. Like it just feels fast, but you're like, how did it just get around that corner? I don't know. Um, uh, so I think that it, it's retained a lot of the feel of the old car, um, but everything just seems it just ironed out everything and 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 turned everything up so the grip the front end the front end was the biggest difference i found on track was the extra the stability and the extra turn in that the new cars got compared to the old one is unbelievable um and the tires are a bit wider they're 275 over 265 on the old car i think and the smaller wheels as well help a lot with the suspension and and the turn in i think a bit of tire sidewall. That's why racing cars have got side, you know, like uh, DTM cars and stuff. They, 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 <laughs> we're all obsessed with these little rubber band tires, which the old previous uh, M4 comp had. But actually, it's it, it doesn't give you much to play with on track. So, um, so yeah. In short, it feels heavier and a little bit more removed from the old car, but it's still plenty of feel in there. 
um and it just feels better at pretty much every corner exit as well like the diff you probably felt that on the road um or anywhere just coming out of corners it almost feels x drive like in the sense that it just finds grip and fires you down the road even if it is going slightly sideways it's just f gaining momentum whereas the old car as soon as you start getting it sideways it just assumed you wanted to play and would just keep going sideways and you wouldn't really be going anywhere. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, it's, and, and living with it, I mean, living with it, it's a much, much, much better car than the old, old F series. Um, aside from the, let's, uh, let's forget about the carbon seats, which we talked about. If you had the standard seats in there, I think as a everyday proposition to live with, it is such a relaxing, nice, chilled car. When you leave everything in auto and drive, and and I know a lot of people, you know, if I say that in a video, oh, well, you're not buying an M car for it. Well, no, but the reality of an M3 or an M4 is it's that car that you use as your daily. And then when you want to go and rag up on the weekend, you can. And it's the Jekyll and Hyde. And I think the new car does that so well. It has a ZF eight-speed gearbox, which isn't as engaging and isn't as good on track as the DCT, but it's much better everywhere else. So you know, it's it's it it it, it it's so easy to maneuver. It's so much more efficient because the eighth gear is so like I I was averaging forty-two miles to the gallon at seventy miles an hour um, over a long journey the other day. The old car wouldn't even dream of doing even close to 30. My M2 would do 24 on them on the highway in a manual, you know, cause sixth wow. gear is so long. And so I think even that eighth cog, you're doing 1600 RPM. You can't even hear the engine. And it's just, it's a really nice car. It arguably, I think, no, not even arguably, it's a better car as a daily than an M5 competition because the M5 in the UK again, because our roads are really bad and the M5 comp's just too stiff even when it's in comfort. And I found the M3 and the M4, well, the M4 I had, that when that's in comfort, it's far more um, pliant. The ride's really nice and it doesn't shake you around all the time. It's just like, you know, when you turn everything off and you just use it as a car, it's just really good. And I think that's, that's important for, for an M3 and M4 customer um i think you nailed it because that's the one thing that i noticed immediately was the uh, there is a huge gap or a bigger gap in between the comfort and sport or sport plus or sport individual than the yeah. f80 so that's one thing that i've noticed immediately and um and then i wanted to kind of confirm that with bmw and i kind of asked them so they did say that they spend they spent some time you know making sure that that's uh that's the case so i also felt like the f80 and f82 was more of a hooligan car yeah not as much as a one M, for example, but in a sense that it was a little harder to control than you would control the G80 and or the G82. Um, yeah. So that's where the, the different character lies. Um, as far as the steering and that, I couldn't really get a feel of that because based on the on the driving experience that I had there. But I did talk to Bill Oberlin, a, a pro driver, and he was on the track and. He said that he definitely liked the the steering better on the uh, new car. Of course, he did mention it's never going to be uh, as good as a mechanical steering and all of no. that. But he said that it's um, it's impressive that you know automakers and BMW too they're able to still fine tune that EPS with every generation and make it better. Even when you think that you know this is the max that you can get out of it, they still manage to do something more. Yeah. So, so I, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I, I think overall, as you expected, it's a better car. I just wish, from my point of view. Uh, I just wish it was a little bit lighter. Yeah. And and I did push them in a in a in a call. Actually, it was a Zoom call with them. I 
I asked them uh, plain if uh, they can tell me what's the way difference between the two generations, if they're comparable, you know, specs. And they, they didn't want to tell me. They said that they will release a figure like in the future. Yeah. Uh, my follow-up question then was like, oh, okay, so now if you have 100 kilos difference, why? What is that, you know? Yeah, where's it gone? That, yeah. um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I mean, when they announced that, I will definitely ask them because I want to find out where that, uh, you know, um, extra weight is coming, especially on the rear wheel drive with the rear wheel drive because the all-wheel drive, we all know it's going to have, you know, yeah, Even the rear wheel drive wants a few hundred pounds more, I think. Or, yeah, know, I'm wondering if more. I'm wondering if like the rear wheel drive one, it obviously they've got they've got to have set that up to to just be able to bolt on the the the, the X drive. So maybe a lot of that is a lot of the weight is just getting it ready for that. Um, but also, I think just all the brace, the feeling on the track, it's heavy, but the bracing and the rear support. There must be so much more stiffening in that in in the chassis uh, and all the and the bracing and stuff. But it's yeah, it's, it is a shame, and you can feel it on this little tight handling circuit. Like I watched back footage of people that were filming it when I was out there, and it does look it looks like a heavy car. <laughs> you know, it looks. My mate had an M2 comp out there, and his thing was darting left and right, and and that's not a lightweight car by any means, but that looked really nippy through it. Whereas the M4 looked big it looks yeah. fast but it looks you could see the momentum of it and it was like okay um but yeah it's, it's i also wonder if it's our fault as a consumer there because we want so many things packed in our car like standard and all these features Myself, yeah I wonder if it's our fault because we want all this you know driving assistance feature so I, I mean, honestly, I don't know the answer, but I always assume that it's my fault because all these cars are getting heavier because I expect, uh, you know, more premium things inside the car and technology and that's just going to add up, you know. Yeah. Actually, I think Joe's right, though. I think it's the bracing because I want to say it was Marcus Flash we were having a conversation with, uh, CEO yeah. of BMW M, and he said that the bracing, the M3 and M4 are so much stiffer than the standard cars and so much stiffer than the previous generation m3 and m4 so i think that they've added just so much bracing to stiffen it up as much as absolutely possible that it did add quite a bit of weight yeah like you look at the the strut bracing underneath the hood by the engine it's not that beautiful carbon fiber thing anymore it's like a, it's you know it's made of I, i'm assuming aluminum but i don't know what it's made out of but uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's bigger, uh, you know, has more pieces to it, and it's metal, not carbon fiber. So you, you kind of take that and put that everywhere, you know, under the, under the body, under the front end, or the rear end, and you're getting a lot of extra weight there. So I think I think you're right. I think it's probably the extra brazing, but apparently it's worth it because it it's apparently handles really, really well and masks yeah. weight well, well. So Well, I think, I think it's just like a, I mean, I don't know too much about the basic setup for race cars or, or, or let's say a DTM car, but I think if the chassis is as rock solid as possible then the suspension that's bolted onto it has a much easier job of right. controlling the weight and and doing its job um uh, you know if you've got flex in the chassis then everything's kind of out of sync isn't it and i think that's kind of the feeling you get is the suspension feels great but probably a lot of that is to do with the fact that it's bolted onto something that's so stiff and and right. it's not you know it's it's doing one thing they're doing something else and everything just feels like it just works so well together but but yeah uh, yeah the weight thing <laughs> the weight thing is so yeah i mean unless i think honestly i think as a road in the five days i had that car i i summarized just by saying that as a road car as a daily it's just fantastic and and, and as a road car as a sports car 
It's just brilliant. It's demolishingly, you know, it's massively fast, as fast as you could ever want. It doesn't feel any wider or bigger than the old car on the road, which is important for us because, you know, we've got those small roads you're talking about. A lot of ours are like that. And, and, and the suspension, everything's just improved. So as a road car, it's brilliant. As a track car, it's, it feels heavy. And I'm sure you couldn't do more than two or three fast laps without everything overheating. But that really, that's not much different to the previous, you know, that M, even my M2, if you go out there, it's going to get, it's heavy. It's not a track car. It's something you can take out and track, but it's not, right. you know, and I think like Horatio was saying that, 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 you know, you can go and get yourself a Caterham or something and take that <laughs> on track, but then that has nothing. It doesn't even have a radio, you know? So, so, so it's like the two extremes. It's like, yeah, your track car is always going to be your track car and your road car is going to be your road car. But I think, I think what the M3 is all about and the M4, I think they've really hit the nail on the head. And I think what's going to be interesting, and I was talking to one of the guys at BMW UK yesterday when I dropped the car off, because there was one, I parked it next to an M8 um, coupe, and, and I looked at it and I was just like, who's going to buy, like, with the M4? Who is, in their right mind, is going to buy an M8 now? Like, yeah. what? Like what? it's completely redundant, surely, right? Because you're talking... Eight seventy-five grand and an M8 is a hundred and twenty grand. It's like sixty thousand. It's to me, it's smaller cabin. It's a smaller boot. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it, the, the the interior is exactly the same now. You're not getting any better tech in the eight. Right. In fact, the the four has got better tech. You know, it's got newer mm -hmm. drift analyzer and all that stuff. And you just think, and you can get the lovely fancy carbon seats to show your mate. So it's mm -hmm. like, well, are they going to sell any more M8s? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. So. No, well, I think I don't know about in the UK, but in the states, no one's buying the eights anyway. So yeah, no, <laughs> we are, we're struggling over here. We they dumped the. I mean, you could buy recently. You could buy like an eight forty i for four nine nine a month or something with no deposit. You know, yeah. See, I, <laughs> so that's not a bad price. So I think yeah. the A series, it's not a bad car. It just was no. overpriced. It was overpriced, it overpriced. in the US. Prices were too high, and I think they realized that because now they're offering some incentives like on the car. But I guarantee you, if I could get that, you know, four ninety nine, actually that's pounds. So maybe I take. Yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, not quite dollars. Yeah, dollars, five hundred dollars for an A series. I think yeah. a lot of people will buy that one. You know? You'd move to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> But let's point on the M3 and M4. I was a little bit surprised that uh, Chris Harris liked the car because it's you know he's very critical of BMW and uh, uh, the fact that he's he has an M2 or an A1M and all these cars that he's, he's had. I was I was quite quite surprised to see that you know he took the car to the track and he actually liked it. I mean, aside from the design and all of that, he yeah. was impressed. yeah. I mean, he is a pretty big BMW fan. He has like a lot of BMWs and he has my personal favorite, the E28 M5. So yeah. he's got a lot, but I think he he's more critical of modern BMWs like a lot of us are because, you know, there's a lot of modern BMWs that stray a little bit too far from the BMW that we've known and loved for so long. So I think yeah. that's, but you're right, he he really liked this new one, so yeah, it was interesting to see. I mean, that's what everyone was kind of over here anyway. Everyone was like, okay, that's great. That's great. That's great. But what does Chris Harris yeah. think? And, <laughs> and I mean, Chris got me into, well, I was always into BMs, but he got me to buy my original M135i, which has effectively turned into a chain reaction of what I do now, I guess. Um, you know, he inspired me to buy that and inspired me to start filming videos. So, you know, I, I look up to him and I obviously value his opinion. I think sometimes now, because he does stuff for top, you never really know... If, if Chris wakes up on the bad side of the bed or the wrong side of the bed, he'll hate a car. And so you never really know where you stand. And obviously, 
he was very vocal about the M3, the new one, M3 and M4 on, on social media, as we all saw, um, and can't stand their, most of their marketing, which obviously I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have to show you something before I finish that. So my, my mate brought me a, um, a, a BMW. So yeah, maybe this will get their marketing team more on my side if I wear this maybe, in one of my yeah. videos. Yeah, I'm laughing about that, but that's fashionable. You know, in Europe, the fanny pack will not fly yeah. here, but in Europe, um, if you go to you know Italy, you know Spain. Uh, Spain oh yeah, they love it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, a fanny pack and a headband or something. Yeah, sweatband. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I just think, yeah, and it was nice to see, you could see he was almost like frustrated that he liked the car from that video. That's what I got. He looked a bit, he, he looked annoyed that he liked that he, that it was a good product. It was almost like, oh man, this is, this is actually really good. And um, I wanted to, he wanted to hate it. I think he might have even said something like that, but, um, and that's a good sign. And yeah, he was out on track and obviously he's an incredible driver and, very good judge of car so um so yeah no i think i think the future's the future's going to be good for those cars and i think once we start seeing them out there people are going to like them more um you know and, and once you've driven one the styling is completely separate once you've driven one yeah. i think a little bit of insight into the how the m the m guys think and work if every time that i've talked to an m engineer i've never got a feeling that they cut corners i feel like they they take so much pride in their job in what they do so every single interview every single chat you know that i had with them you can see their passion for sports car and building the best car that they can and sometimes yep. there's too many constraints you know either driven by regulations you know that influences design influences you know the engineering side but then, of course, it all these OPF and all this stuff. So they, they try to do their best, but I've never got a feeling that they're thinking about saving money here and there or doing that. It's just they, they work with what they can in those times. And, and unofficially, every single engineer says, you know, that they would love to go back to work on E30, M3s and E40s and all of that. Everybody loves to go back to them, but they just can't. So they, so they yeah. truly try to make the best product ever. And especially, you know, knowing their, their decision process a little bit, they, they, they take a long time to analyze what cars to bring out. That's why it took a long time for the M3 Touring and all of that. So they don't just make cars because they think, you know, let's do it, let's see what happens, like the like a M4 Grand Coupe, for example. So they're very careful about it. it it's such a prestige brand, but I feel like sometimes, you know, they just, those are the times that you can't really go back in time to make other products. And of course, you know, people mentioned the, um, uh, you know, the Porsche, the Porsche brand, but it's just such a different brand. It's not like M. I, no. I, I, I don't see them comparable. They're just different philosophies, different, you know, parent companies, different a lot of things, you know, and yep. Porsche is always going to be Porsche, basically. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think also people, they're kind of standalone products as well, like a 911 or Cayman. A lot of people say like the Cayman GT4 compared to the M2 CS or whatever, similar price over here in the UK. Although you couldn't buy a GT4 because you have to be on Porsche's list. You need to go and buy 25 McCann diesels before they, before they write, you know, before they let you order a GT car. But I mean, yeah, whenever anyone asks me, it's like, yeah, the GT4, it's a, you know, one of the best, if not the best sports car out there, but it's a bit of a one trick pony. It's a two seater, tiny boots it doesn't have and and it's not particularly comfortable to drive around in it's not the m2 cs ticks so many boxes you know it's got you can put four adults in there no problem big boot it's comfortable 
uh, and they're just two different cars and i think that's that you know that's that's uh it's, it's more of a, i mean most of the porsches are, are really more of a weekend car you know or of a track car versus bmw tries to, to bring a daily practicality in most everything. of the cars. Yeah, yes exactly. yeah yeah it's yeah the, it's because of the customer or, or because of the demographic right i mean Porsche customer, they probably own, I mean, we know a guy, you know, that, you know, he's got so many cars, you know, and then he's got a Porsche too, you know, he's got yeah, a, yeah, 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 BMW hybrid, i3, uh, X, X, X3 regular, and then he has a Porsche, of course, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Porsche, you got the money, you got to have one, exactly, that's so, it, um, that's the thing, but, uh, but I guess it, it's good from a reviewer standpoint, or from a journalistic perspective, it's, it's always good to be, you know, not critical of their products, but to kind of point out some of the things that we, we might not like. And I think they, they look at that feedback and they try to incorporate like in the future as much as they can. I mean, I think most of the automakers do pay attention to customers more than ever because they're, um, the feedback that they get today, it's so real time. Like in the past, you'd have to do, uh, you know, marketing sessions or, or customer focus sessions to get feedback or, yeah. you know, or you get it through the dealerships and that, but now it's like, you know, you got to get the social media and you get it right instantly. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they've got to listen to it as well, haven't they? Like they, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's 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 true. Yeah, hundred yeah, I mean, percent. Yeah, like the know, fanny pack. I, they're they're gonna know. <laughs> they're gonna know exactly what you think about the fanny pack. <laughs> that was so weird, though. I put this. Sorry, I'll get it again because I'm very proud of it. I, I, I put a post up yeah the other night with me wearing it, like taking the Mickey out of it, just saying yeah. you know that I'm now I'm now going to try and approach. BMW marketing a different angle, whatever. But then, literally half an hour after posting that picture, BMW M started following me on Instagram. Perfect! Yeah. Look at that. I was just like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, is that coincidence or did they? Maybe they really liked, you know, they're like, they oh, like now he's got one of these. So maybe this is the this is the entry to BMW that, M. That's, like it. Just... that's it. That's the that's the ticket to the promised land. Is the the fanny pack? Yeah. There you go, man. <laughs> well, see, Horisha, that's what we're doing wrong. We're not, we're not the fanny pack. Yeah. I have to admit, I do have a fanny pack too. <laughs> oh, oh yes, I, I figured you did from your answer. You were like you're defending it straight away. Yeah, yeah only only mine says Suprema on it. So oh, it's okay. oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah. hype brand. Pack. I gotta get one now. But I did give it to my wife, you know, to uh, <laughs> so Brilliant. I don't, don't really wear that. But I do have one. Yeah, if if uh, <laughs> it did, I can definitely find one here. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I'll tell brilliant. you what. I'll get one, and then we'll do a, a good comparison. Yeah, video. Well, yeah, that'll be a good video, like an old school test drive with some BMWs and fanny packs and headbands and all right. that. Yeah. yeah. When you guys come over for the M3 to to go on our little mini Euro road trip in the M3 touring, right. the conditions are we've all got to, we've got to wear our fanny packs all of the time when we're when we're on that trip. Perfect. So. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. There were so many plans last year. I mean, I and Nico talk about coming to Munich in in October. There was a BMW big event I was supposed to go, so I definitely canceled. Then I was supposed to come to Goodwood Festival of Speed in uh, June. Yeah. They were supposed to launch the four series there, so nobody That's really right. knows. But they had to, there there was a big you know setup there for that. So I was quite excited because I'd never been to the Goodwood Festival of Speed, only to the Rolls Royce. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like personally, I I do come to the UK like once a year with you know either Rolls Royce Mini or some stuff. But next time I'll I'll definitely bring Nico to. Yeah. Long overdue. He has an interesting story. He he was all set to go to uh, oh. to Europe for the first Slovenia. time. Oh. To a Krapovich. Yeah. Yeah. Supposed to go for a Krapovich. They had a they had an opening of a factory or something like that, and he was all set. Uh, what you were supposed to fly out the same day or the next day? I was supposed to fly out. 
And then literally as I was packing my, like I was walking out of the door and I was supposed to fly to Istanbul to then get a, a like a, the connector Next flight time. to then Slovenia. Yeah. And, uh, Literally, as I was walking in the door, someone tells me to turn on CNN. I got a text, turn on CNN, or turn on the news. And uh, ISIS had bombed the Istanbul airport, and no. I, they shut it down. I couldn't go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So it was, like, literally, like, an hour prior to my flight. Well, I mean, that's good and bad, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. We had the option to, I, I think you had the option to go like the next few days, but we just I didn't was, know what's going to happen. Yeah, it was like, it, no. was, it wasn't even the next day. It was like only like a few hours later. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go right now. <laughs> no. Wow. That was pretty close, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have yet to go to Europe at all ever so okay oh well we got it well we're gonna make it happen and goodwood if like yeah oh, if anything goodwood goodwood festival speed best car event ever anywhere i really? just hope that it does pick back up again and, and become what it was um Hopefully. yeah it's just I mean, it's, mine. it's it's outside so that's always helps you know being exactly yeah yeah Hopefully next year but this year i don't think it'll be a lot of car events this year i think it's all next year yeah, yes. Be kind of yeah, agree. A lot of uncertainty this year as Very things cool. kind of semi-open and get back together. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We don't want to keep you too long. We've yeah, already kept you like time. super long time. This is like turned out to be like an epically long. Yeah. Let's <laughs> really cut this one in half. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh oh, it's been awesome. It's lovely meeting you, Horatio, properly, and and obviously nice um seeing you again, yeah. Nico, and and um. Yeah, it's great. I just I love talking cars, so yeah, it wasn't two hours of, of flown by. We should definitely yeah. do like a collaboration video test drive when we come to Europe. That'll be some sure. something cool. Oh, hundred percent. I'd 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 love that. Yeah, it'd be really really cool. Something cool, you know. So we'll definitely cool. do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate you continuing doing the good work. We love your videos, so that's a genuine yeah, answer. So uh, thank you, and you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what you guys do is is amazing, and uh, yeah, I look forward to. To seeing to seeing what's next sounds good all right yeah, good talking to you cheers right. guys yeah, cheers. see you later bye-bye